here all the activities we do. Now, unfortunately, not all the activities are captured here, but the majority of them and certainly the impact components are all captured here. And what I want to do is just take a few minutes and walk through some of these, but clearly it, 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 we're not going to read this to you. You guys are smart. You can read and, uh, and really walk through what it looks like uh, to be an SEC official and, and, and really answer some questions that we get uh, you know, from the public, from the media at times, and, and really walk through that. So the first question we're going to hit today is, do you evaluate these guys? Is there any accountability for officiating? And as you look through this, we're going to talk about in season and out of season. So, in, in Cole's kind of moving around on this, but if you see on Wednesday, each official receives their film grade. And so I want to talk a little bit about their film grade. So every play in every game, just like the players, every play in every game is graded. And by close of business Wednesday, each official in every crew gets their film grade back. So how's that accomplished? We have a film grader for every game, and so they walk through. On every play, there's actually seven components that uh, can be evaluated. Uh, we have, and, and the officials start with 100, and I mean, the expectation is perfection, and then you can only, you, for a great call, you don't get added points. You only lose points, if you will. But, you know, there's everything from incorrect mechanic, incorrect judgment, missed call, non-quality call, incorrect call. Incorrect call is the worst from a point value because an incorrect call is your marker was on the ground, but there wasn't a foul. You can have a missed call is still negative, but an incorrect, when you put your marker on the ground, your integrity is linked to it, and there, there needs to be a foul there. So that's the most punitive one we have. And then obviously correct call or comment only. Many times there's plays with comment only uh, to give feedback to the officials. So they get that, but when the film grader finishes, when they hit the button, it actually goes to a position specialist. And we have a group, and, and we've actually put together for our athletic directors kind of the accomplishments or, or a background of all these position specialists. Uh, and, and these are a who's who in officiating. Butch, Hannah, many of you guys know, longtime SEC official, NFL official, worked every playoff, Super Bowls, et cetera, et cetera. Ronnie Baines, myself, I'm the referee. I, I was a referee. I'm the referee position specialist. So the grading then goes to that position specialist to validate it for that specific position, all the components there. And then by Wednesday night, it's given back to the crew. Or each individual official, they all bring that to their Friday night session and they review that as a crew. So that's the accountability on a weekly basis. But then if you flip the document to look at annually, so what is the accountability? And as you can see here, uh, we have five areas on an annual basis that the officials are actually uh, evaluated on. There's a composite uh, of your weekly film grade, and then you're ranked by position. And you'll see in each of these, we're ranked by position. Uh, observer completes a, a ranking. In other words, we have nine crews. They rank the referees one to nine. Each observer does that. And we take a median score of that. Uh, we have a clinic test that is scored and that goes toward your grade. And then uh, the most favorite thing of our officials, the mile and a half run. And each has, it's a military standard based on your age. It's a pass fail, but we actually give them credit if they beat their time 
then they get force rank in their position uh, from a physical fitness standpoint. And then finally, uh, there's a, a coordinator uh, input evaluation to them. And, and so this impacts to them a number of things. Number one, and as we look at it, uh, what, what are the impacts for them? And as you can see, the impacts here in the middle of that, you know, it's their qualification for postseason. Uh, it's their tier level rankings. Many people don't know we have three tiers of officials. Uh, and there's, there's a, uh, not only a prestige difference, there's a schedule difference, and, and there's a fee difference. So you want, you want to be in the higher tier. Uh, we evaluate, just because you're ranked number nine doesn't mean that you're not going to be back as an official. Then the question is, do you meet the standards of an SEC official? If you meet the standards, then for the next year, that ranking determines what crew you're in, what kind of assignments you get. Um, and, and ultimately, as we talked about on the weekly part, it impacts your bowl assignment. First of all, do you get a bowl assignment? And then if you do, we're just like the teams, you want to be in the best bowl you can possibly be in. So it's high accountability. If you don't meet the expectations or standards, then you're not invited back the following year. So there's high accountability. That may be more than what you wanted to know, but I, it's important that you know uh, the impacts of the accountability on the official. Now, the next question we get is, you know, if there's a controversial play out there, many times we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll see, oh, that coach is going to talk to the commissioner or Steve Shaw, or that coach is going to send that play in. But the reality of that is we have open dialogue every week. Coaches send in plays from every game. Some of them, if they want to understand the call, some of them is just better understanding a rule, a technique. Is this legal? Is this not legal? But it's very routine to send in plays. And what we do back to the coaches, we do a voiceover video. Now, we do a training video that Cole Cunningham kind of edits and, and makes me look good. Um, in this, this is a voiceover back to the coach, and it's just, I'm talking over the video, Cole is running it back and forth, but it, it's very effective in communicating to a coach, if he sends in a play, we think this is a block in the back. Well, the old way was you sit back on the spreadsheet, no, it's not a block in the back, it's a sidewalk. Well, the coach gets in, he said, no, that is, now you can actually put the video up, this is a side block. This is what the official's looking at. This is the hand position. It doesn't matter their head anymore. It's where their hands are located. We have a hand with force into the back, into the numbers, then that's a foul. But if it's into the shoulder, regardless of where the head is, it's not a foul. So we're able to communicate with them better on officiating philosophies, but then that helps them teach their players better. So that is the weekly communications that we have uh, with our coaching and coaching staff, and, and it's routine, it is not unusual situations. And then one other question we'll get, what do you guys do in the off season? I mean, is it, you know, people say, boy, I bet you play a lot of golf in the off season. Uh, the reality is, and, and here we have listed out our January through August. Now what's not in here, and I mentioned this yesterday, what made this offseason even more busy, if you will, was our engagement with Deloitte Consulting. But as you can see here, really, my January, February, March is as busy as in the season because that's when we're doing all the end-of-year wrap-up evaluations. I do a one-on-one -on -one call with each official. Uh, we then have our spring clinics and camps. 
and uh, we have a developmental clinic that is focused on minority officials. We do a lot of work to hopefully find that next official out there, but also it's our spring training opportunity, just like for the teams, to get better, get back to fundamentals, look at a lot of film, and, and do that work together. And then you can see we do rules quizzes that, that start up with our guys in, in, in early in the spring and work all the way through the season. And really begins to culminate you know, in July. So next week we'll have all our officials uh, in for three days. That's, that's the beginning of our fall camp. And then one of the things we're adding this year, they're going to go and have a two-day camp on a campus with a school, be in their position meetings, work the scrimmages, interact with coaches, talk about the new rules, how we're going to officiate that. So all season has gotten to be very busy, not only for the staff, but for our officials as well. So there's a number of other things. Uh, you, you can go, you know, the other question is, you know, do you guys just show up about 30 minutes before kickoff and work the game? You can read through this in season what all those type things are. And so hopefully at the end, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna change gears right now, but if we have a few moments at the end, we'd certainly love to get questions from this. Uh, but we hope this is helpful to you as you look and see what the activities are uh, of an SEC officiating staff and, and, and crew. Now we're going to change gears a little bit. Hope everyone has their interactive device. Everybody got that? Everybody get their interactive device in their hand. We've got some plays. So here is your challenge today. You are now, I'm deputizing you guys, you are now instant replay officials. Okay? You, you have to make the call. And what we're going to do, we're going to put up a series of plays. And we're going to let you look at them. Cole's going to run the video. He's going to give you all the angles that you need to make a decision. Hopefully, you, you remember yesterday, we taught all of these are going to be targeting plays. And what we want you to do is view the play, and based on our new rule now, the new rule being, as a replay official, you must confirm all aspects of targeting to confirm it. And so with your interactive device, if you look at it, there's a number one. Number one is going to be, I confirm this is a targeting call. Number two is, I overturn this. This is not targeting. Remember, there's no stands anymore. So it's either one, confirm targeting. Number two, I'm going to overturn that. Now, just so you know how this interactive device works, when, when we say, we're going to let the plays play, and then I'll say, okay, begin voting. When you vote, it's, if you say it's targeting and then you keep looking and say, no, I'm changing my mind. When, when we call the question, whatever the last thing you entered on your device is what will be registered. So if you change your mind before we say, okay, we're calling the question, then you know, get it in and that will be what's displayed. Okay. So as soon as the play's over, we're going to display the percentages that think it was targeting and thinks it's not targeting. And then we'll quickly walk through the play from an officiating viewpoint uh, on, on how we would work that play. Okay, everybody good? Everybody ready? All right, Cole, let's run the first play. Now the, the question is, we're going to look at number 18, the hit by the defensive back, number 18. That's what you're evaluating. Targeting one, no targeting two.
Okay, you've seen all the views. It's time to make a decision, so we're calling the question. Then put your vote now. All right, last look, and then we're gonna, all right, last chance. Everybody in, okay, let's call the question. Okay, some days it's not fun being the coordinator when 59 to 41%, either way we call 41 or 59% are not gonna like what we did. But let's talk about this play. Go back to what we talked about yesterday this is a targeting of a defenseless player, or potentially that. So we have three components we have to have. Number one, do we have a defenseless player? So this is close. The, the receiver catches it, begins to pull the ball in. But our philosophy is winning question, he's still defenseless. So yes, we would consider this a defenseless player. So we've confirmed the first part. The second, is there an indicator? And what you see here is the player lowers his head and attacks. You see him lowering the head to attack. And so, yes, we have an indicator. And then third, now, is there forcible contact to the head or neck area? And as you look at that, it's absolutely there. You can see it from a number of angles. Right there is good. You can see, uh, you see the head come in. Watch the receiver's head pop. That's forcible contact. If we put your head in that helmet, you would agree that's forcible contact. Now, a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute, he had his shoulder lowered. It doesn't matter if the shoulder touches first or whatever. It doesn't really matter what happens. It's is there forcible contact to the head or neck area, regardless of if he led with something different. And, and so here we would say, yes, forcible contact to the head or neck area, hits all three components. So we would confirm this as a targeting. So you guys overall, 41% didn't, but in the balance, you got it right as a targeting. So good work. Uh, let's go to play two. And we're gonna look at the hit on this sliding runner. So number four is who you're evaluating. number of views you're always looking for what is your money shot okay it's time to call the question we've been through all of we'll, we'll look at this one we're calling the question but let's look at this one also one last time here Cole all right let's get your vote in okay there's a trend going here uh, we, we're staying in the 50s to 40s um, and let me just say, let me start, this is not easy. Okay, this is not easy. All right, so we had 58% said not targeting. Walk through, again, this is a defenseless player, so is he defenseless? Yes, we made a rule change a couple years ago. A sliding ball carrier, we always think of the quarterback, but it's a sliding ball carrier, is a defenseless player. So, yes, we have a defenseless player. The second part is, do we have an indicator? Absolutely, this player is going down low to attack into that quarterback. So, yes, we have an indicator. Now, third, do we have, can we confirm forcible contact to the head or neck area? And, and there's a couple views, harder to tell here. Uh, Cole, if we can go back to that previous view. Uh, this is the best view right here. We'll pause it. You, could there be, 
he really, although this is not technique we would approve, he really didn't get forcible contact into the head or neck area. Or certainly you can't confirm that. The majority of that force is into the shoulder, shoulder pads, breastplate. So in our new rule, this would be a play that we would overturn. And that's, you know, 58% of you guys were headed that way. Now let me say one thing on this. This should be, if officiated properly on the field, and this is what we talked about yesterday, the call should be a dead ball personal foul with targeting. And the with means you're evaluating targeting from the press box, but we're going to have a 15-yard penalty. This is a dead ball personal foul regardless here. We're going to have a 15-yard penalty. So if done properly on the field, we have the two components, and replay is only evaluating targeting. Okay, so directionally, y'all have been good. Kind of that 50-40. Let's see if we can break out of that. Let's go to the next play. So you can begin voting. Really, the two the two views we get here are this line feed, and then this one kind of end zone shot. So begin voting. One targeting. Two. You're overturning it. All right. Let's call the question. Okay. Seventy-one percent said targeting. Twenty-nine percent said no targeting. Let's walk through this play. This is a potential play for targeting with crown of the helmet. Do, so we don't have a defenseless player. This is a runner, no defenseless player. So the only foul that could be here was targeting with the crown of the helmet. So the two things you have to confirm, is there forcible contact with the crown of the helmet? And I think there is no doubt you're gonna see 20. And, and the indicator is he lowers his head and as we always talk to players, keep your head up, see what you hit. This is a dangerous play for number 20 himself. He could injure himself. I mean, obviously he could injure the opponent, and in this play, unfortunately, the opponent was injured. But he could hurt himself you know, by that head ducking. So this would capture both of the components. You could confirm both, and we would confirm this as a targeting foul. Um, it, it's a crown of the helmet hit. So 71%, so we're, 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 we're headed the right direction. So let's go to the next play. Some days it is not easy being a replay official. Remember your components, you have to get all three. All right, let's call the question. We want you to vote. Now, Cole, before we put up the answers, we're, we're going to close it, but before you put it up, I, I want to make a couple comments about this play. So, everybody in, we're going to close the voting in three, two, one. All right, close the voting. Don't put it up yet, Cole. Let me make a comment about this play. This is a tough play. This is a tough play. We actually use this in our national replay conference. And 
we had some media folks in there in that. They, I don't know that, I don't know where you guys are going to come out. They came out, this is almost mathematically impossible, they came out absolutely 50-50. Um, we put the same play up, and then I'll tell you what our, our officials did. Uh, but Cole, what did we do? I'm impressed, okay? Now, 29% you guys would be hammering me on, but 71% said no targeting. So let's walk through the play. What makes this a tough play? I mean, it's a high hit, violent, very fast, but let's just go back through our checklist. Number one, do we have a defenseless player? Absolutely. This receiver is defenseless. There's no question. So confirm that component. Is there an indicator? Yes. See the upward thrust? Uh, it's not a full launch, but it's enough. It's an upward thrust to attack high. So yes, we have an indicator. And then third, do we have forcible contact to the head or neck area? This is one where the rule this year makes a difference. Last year, this could be a stance because ah, I'm not sure, boy, you hit him hard, is close, maybe we let it stand. But if you really look at the play now, you cannot confirm that there's forcible contact to the head or neck area. It's, it's not a technique we would like, but as you can see from this, the force of that is really into the shoulder. There may be some head contact, the head goes forward. So this is a play you can't confirm forcible contact to the head or neck area, and we would want you to overturn it. So you guys did really well. Let's, uh, let, let's do, well, let's do this. Let me pause, we have more plays, but I wanted to open it up to see if there are any questions either from our officiating workflow or anything from these plays we had. So here's your chance. We only have a couple minutes, but we'd like to get in a question or two if they're out there. Thank you. We do have a few minutes for a couple of quick questions. If you do, raise your hand. We'll get a microphone to you. Questions for Steve Shaw. Okay, we've got one over here on our left. Steve, on number three, you mentioned that it with the ball carrier wasn't defenseless. Can you explain why that would still qualify as, as targeting? I, I guess I just didn't understand that part of it. Yeah, from, from the rule perspective, there's two flavors of targeting. One is if you have forcible contact to the head or neck area of a defenseless player, that's targeting. But, and we used an example yesterday also where if you use the crown, the top of your helmet, to attack and deliver forcible contact to an opponent, which is what this player did. He lowered his head and then he led with his head and he hit the other player, happened to be in the helmet, but with the crown of his helmet. So even though that player is not defenseless, if you hit him with the crown of your helmet, if you attack with forcible contact and you use the crown of your helmet, that's a foul. And so that's why it would be a targeting foul. Okay, other questions? If you have one, you can take one. We'll go all the way up here in the front, and we'll get a microphone to you in just a second. Yeah, Steve, I got a question. It's Dale Williams Sports Vision. Now, you, you made a great, uh, great illustration on whether it's targeting or whether it's a 15-yard penalty. Are you all going to make a decision on whether you get the 15-yard penalty or you throw the kid out of the game? Has that a decision? Because I think really you know, we're making that decision right now very easy, but to throw the kid out of the game, what, what are, where are you going with that? 
And, and that's, I'll say two things on that. Number one is you really have to listen to the announcement of the referee because if the referee says it could be roughing the passer with targeting, a blindside block with targeting, anytime you hear with targeting, we are going to have a 15-yard penalty, and then it's going to go to replay to review the disqualification component for targeting. The change this year, by taking away the stands from, from the replay booth, they have to confirm all aspects. What we believe, and, and last year we had 12% of our targeting fouls were stands. The marginal plays, the one we looked at where uh, maybe the player was just lucky that he didn't hit him in the head, but where there's not all three of the components, then we don't want to disqualify that player. And, and the philosophy behind it, and that's a change in replay, but the philosophy behind it is you only want to disqualify that player if you can confirm all aspects. If you can't confirm all aspects, we don't want to disqualify that player. So I, I think it's a change. The targeting rule has served us well as it's matured. I think this is a change in replay that will be better for our game. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the time, and uh, we're looking forward to getting our season started. Thank you. Thank you, Steve.